0: I never know whether to wait for the recording button to be on for this kind of thing. Because who knows, is this going to be the real me now or later? Isn't that the thing we're all, how do we, I don't know how that works. We'll find out, you'll have to, you'll have to judge or better discern or see. And of course, maybe it gets shared, maybe it doesn't. And in fact, that's something we'll talk about because, well, sharing the esoteric that's not exactly a clear thing to hold in mind, right? If the esoteric is not understood by many, it's a difficult thing to share. So if we were to make it exoteric, would we be perverting the very essence of what this is? Interesting question to begin. So are we recording? All right, nice. So my name's Tim, Tim Adelin. I made that name up. Thank you. I mean, Tim, I was born with, um, but I, I made the other one up. But I think most people here do, so... And why is that? Maybe we can find out. There's something else in the title which I didn't mention. Apparently my name is, according to what the program says, Tim Adeline Voicecraft. Voicecraft is the name of the podcast and YouTube channel and media platform and broader project of cultural expression, sometimes a cultural cry, sometimes a cultural effort to cultivate culture. And the idea is that there's something fundamental about the process of voicing, which doesn't have to be just with speech, but in general the process of conduiting and turning perception into expression together, that that speaks very closely to the essence of what it is to be in the mode of, let's say, integration of ideas and embodiment, and also integration of many different levels of reality, right? How to think about the relationship between psyche, culture, and nature, for instance. They're very big things. One seems to be to do with, like, who are we? Nature may be, like, the broad patterns of life and death we're a part of, and culture something like the constructions that we participate in but are, in some sense, the manifestations of an ordering principle which can be more or less nutritious and sometimes, well perhaps not nutritious at all, sometimes um, controlling, sometimes stifling. So I'm going to sweat a lot. I'm not made for these conditions. So um, you have to excuse me. Good Lord. So I'm initially from England and I've been here a while though. Yeah, yeah, you repping England as well. Okay, nice, nice. So let me say a couple other things about how this session together can work. Fundamentally, we're going to be exploring at least that's my intention, the nature of psychedelic philosophy. And, um, well, psychedelic, many of you will probably know, comes from two Greek words, psyche and delios, I think, something like that. Is that right, Cam? Ish? Anyway, psyche meaning something like mind or soul, and the other one meaning manifesting. So we have here... We can take it as a tab. We can um, interact with, let's say, breath. We can engage with the nature of who we are and the world in a way that can afford the presencing of what is fundamentally us to come forth. right? And so we can think about the relationship between consciousness and unconsciousness, for instance. We can think about dreams as a way to like begin to bite into this? Like, what's happening in dreams? How do they relate to us? Why is it that when we trip or have experiences that feel very, very different, why are they meaningful? And how can, like, wh- what is the I that is in relationship to that? Like, who is it that we are that can come through? Okay, so we'll be exploring that a little bit. Philosophy. Philosophy comes from two Greek words that I do know a little better. Phileum, which is one of the ancient Greek words for love. And it means, I might actually need some sort of towel if you have one in there. (laughs) Thank you. It's all right, it's not like this is being filmed. (laughs) And um, Philea which meant friendship, love, something like that. So like a brotherly, sisterly love, the love that you have with friends. And Sophia, which means wisdom, knowledge, wisdom, what are these things? We can definitely pull them apart in the English language. But something like the friendship love of wisdom. That's how I relate to philosophy. That's how I, well, it's an element of how I relate to philosophy. And um, I think in this sense, we are all fundamentally philosophers to the degree we are living in a way that's healthy to the degree we are aspiring to be in touch with who we are and the patterns around us that we're immersed in and all of that. So I don't consider philosophy to be something which is merely an intellectual or thinking activity, nor do I consider language as such to necessarily be only the product of the thinking mind. Right? In the same way that we can paint with a brush, we don't say, oh, that's some good thinking the painter's doing. It's a kind of conduit for expression. And we can be led by feeling in that regard. For me, philosophy in its highest art form is an integration, a dance, if you like, of thinking and feeling. And it's about the mediation of the relationship between those two. Something like that. I don't want to be too definitive. And that's always the issue with philosophy, pinning things down too much. And all of a sudden, we've effectively killed ourselves, which is necessary to some degree, but we can explore this over the, course of, uh, over the course of the session. And so the final thing, the art of conversation, this is alwe- already arguably like um, in some sort of performative contradiction because this is just me so far talking to you all uh, to the degree that there's any meaning conveyed and we're in coherence with each other that we're sharing in this attention and there's some interaction occurring and that's a beautiful thing. And so we can think about that as a dialogue. We can also think about dialogue as an internal process of being in a kind of call and response relationship to oneself. Something about the nature of voice crafting to link back to that word, which I find a profound sign, is is exactly what's occurring right now as I slow down and notice that I'm not at all sure what I'm saying and yet I can say it, and we can stay in coherence with that. Like, what is that thing? This isn't a pre-packaged message. This is sharing something that comes from the core of my dedication, and what I'm dedicated to isn't mine in the sense of ownership, right? And yet I can be in relationship to that. I can be reverent towards it. I can recognize that that son's a motherfucker, and it's also neutrifying all of us. You know? So, okay. Also, as I've mentioned, this is being recorded. So I would love to invite many of you. We only have one mic, so it'll be one at a time. And we'll introduce that over the course of however long we're going to be together for, I think probably about an hour and a half or so. Uh, We'll see how the energy feels. And I'll invite anyone who would like to, to come up. I will say, though, that if you do, then um, please only do so if your very action of coming up here is consenting to be recorded and to be published publicly on my discernment. Even that, probably not quite, because (laughs) if something does happen something manifests, say, that's really meaningful and it's all of a sudden, hang on, I'm not willing to make this public, then we can talk about that and we can uh, keep this private. However, it would be good to consult yourself about that discernment to come up here beforehand. Um, So that's a better way to put it. There's no trap and we can can talk. Um, But it would be good to... It would be good to come up in a certain mode of consciousness. Um, And so why record, right? Why record? Is it more meaningful to do that? Would it be more meaningful if the recording button was off? Would we feel like we were knowing each other more? There's something really fucking fascinating about recording. And it's that it's happening all around us all the time. All the time. It's the nature of the technological world we're a part of, right? There are some philosophers, uh, one of them, his name is Alexander Bard. He terms this uh, sensocracy. And uh, we can think about the Chinese model of that, which is some sort of social credit system, senses everywhere, right? Seeking to control not only what you can see, to control not only the perceptions that can enter you, but also control what you can express. And in that sense, from my perspective, fundamentally violate the very essence of what it is to be a relational participant, an interactive element of this world, which, as my friend Cam put the other day, is a birthright in the sense of empowerment. I like the word dignity for that. For me, that's what dignity means, that we're all involved, right? That creation runs through us that we are always influencing. Influence is, for me that brings up an ethical question as well as an aesthetic question and also fundamentally a religious question and some other questions too, but that's a lot to bite off, right? The question is something like, well, what the fuck do I do then? Because I'm involved, right? And so we're in an environment where there's a lot of stuff to do and we're here on the outskirts and we can kind of stumble around And people have made beautiful, creative possibilities for us to step into, encounter different aspects of ourselves, encounter different aspects of the creative potential of other people's minds, hearts, souls, all of that, reflecting back the nature of nature, the good stuff, some of the darker stuff. And that's juicy. That's interesting. So there's a lot here. There's a lot here, and I think that probably just about covers some initial remarks. I might just conclude those by touching back on sensocracy. We can think about control, and we can also think about how to respond to that, okay? And so with respect to recording, what if it's the case? that the only way, and I'm, I am making this as a question, I'm making it though as a serious question, like I, I, I think there's an assertion to be made here that's really worthy of bringing into dialogic interaction. We don't have to complete that today. In a sense, that's the subject of my work on an ongoing basis, and maybe all of our work to some degree, because we have to respond to these dynamics. But the question is something like, and here in the context of esoteric, How can we respond together to the inherent pull, potential, drive within all of us that manifests in the systems we're a part of, that wants to control and disenable the possibility for us to what? Some people say choose. The word choice is nice there. To be responsive, right? To choose our own way. Viktor Frankl speaks about this in Man's Search for Meaning. That being in that mode of responsiveness and choosing our own way is of the essence of enabling meaning in life. But there's much more at stake than just our own aesthetic pleasure, let's say although that's fundamental in some important sense. And so the proposition I would make, just to include those then who are also present with us later, given that this has been recorded, is that I think one of the only ways we can, um, with intelligence and integrity, respond to the creep of sensocratic control is to be able to converse so openly that the only way to penetrate that is to actually step forward in integrity oneself and enter into a mode of interaction in a context where attention is valued and where that attention of all of us here enables that in the context, that only in those conditions, say only, let's be a bit looser, but that would be, it seems to me, necessary to create this condition where here we are together and we can know each other here in this, in this moment and when someone comes to join me, we can know each other in this moment. And the camera's looking right at us and everyone's witnessing and creation is happening. But the inside out of it, we can look from the outside in, but the inside out is right there. And yet in some sense it's untouchable. The touching is happening from the inside out and we're meeting each other in relationship. So it seems to me that it's critical that we develop these contexts in society that enable the integrus meaning integrity, integrous contexts for meaningful interaction, right? Where we can presence criticality together, where we don't have to know all the answers, but we can presence what is, we can presence what could be, and we can talk about it. We can just fucking talk about it. And so that's what I'd like to do with you all today. Because this is a fascinating place, it's a beautiful place to be, and I genuinely want to talk to you. I want to be in relationship with the perspectives you have, and to learn about what it is for you to be here, and over the course of it, if it comes up as in flow, I'm open and desiring to share what I can about the nature of the mind, the psyche, the relationship to culture, an angle of understanding into the phenomenon of psychedelics, how it relates to philosophy, and all of that. So thank you for the attention in this opening. I'm just going to sit back for a bit we can take a bit of a pause. It's a funny thing to slow down. I was walking around yesterday looking for a place that I could have a conversation. And of course, they're everywhere. But it's a It's such an interesting thing on these synchronistic journeys of tripping here, of the things that come into our path. And if we're really responsive to them, there's a lesson there. I was just walking along and Cam, my friend and I, we found ourselves walking out to the place where you can watch the sunset. It's just over there. If you haven't seen it, if you haven't gone to step out there, I'd really recommend doing so um, after this talk because it's, it's truly one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And we walked out past the, um, the chill stage, found some sort of trees to sit around. We began talking, right? And we were moving towards what felt like some sort of climactic understanding we all have experiences of this, right? Something just on the tip of our tongue. We've had a really engaging conversation. It's just, it's just there. And then something happens. Something happens and all of a sudden, am I, am I welcome to say that thing? Can that thing be said yet? That there is so important <laughs> to draw into consciousness. The amount of, and here here I'll say some things which are maybe then a little bit more difficult to say in contexts like this, and so thank you for the opportunity to say them. Even now, I'm on this dance of appropriate to speak or not, right? The very context of being here functions, there has to be a certain amount of This is the Australian sun. There's not too much water here. We kind of bring it here, right? And there's food and there's a lot of people We can be here for a certain amount of time. And (laughs) there's always things that happen. (laughs) And we can be here for a certain amount of time. all of that, let's say, anti-entropy that enables there to be enough order in this otherwise very challenging condition, although there's a lot of potential there and a lot of goodness. There's a lot of effort, causation, choices that have been made that go into enabling this context. One of the things that psychedelics can do is reveal elements of who we are and what is present in relationship to context that were not previously accessible to conscious understanding. Once we come to perceive something we weren't previously, that was fundamental to enabling the order and coherence of who we are, meaning the sort of stability of identity we have in relationship with the world, this becomes very destabilizing. It can be, anyway. It doesn't, doesn't have to be, actually. That's, that's important. How to be in relationship to that. Something like how to be in relationship to transformation as such. And we are that which is capable of response. Fundamentally, we can forget it. And we can also be disempowered and if we don't have enough water we won't be here for very long, right? So it's not all about the mind in that sense. We have to look after the full stack. Which brings us back to the whole context of all of this and the very, very, very big stack of complex interrelating phenomena that enable us to slow down and have a conversation. And sometimes speaking about elements of that context in a situation where it might destabilize some of the hierarchical formations of what constitutes the ordering relationship, of what enables us to be here in coherence with each other, that can happen. So it can be difficult to find space to have a conversation And that's part of the reason why recording's interesting too. Because now we can be in relationship with those who view online. And all of a sudden here in esoteric, right, in a sense, a place to experiment with moving right up to the border of creative possibility. Also a place to go through many cycles of let's say, ex- ecstasis into catharsis, sometimes breakdown, a whole bunch of critical energy. These are important things to do, and we need space and people around us to help us out, and And it's a profound thing that's been created here. So we can say it's some sort of borderland of like interacting with possibility. But what would it be to bring something back It's always a message we hear when it comes to psychedelics, right? What does it mean to bring something back from the trip? Well, it's a funny thing, bringing something back. Because here we are, and here we'll be again. So we mean, sort of colloquially, well, when I get back to the life I was living before, or a state of consciousness that's in touch with work, Friends, the tasks and responsibilities I have, the sufferings and all these kinds of things, is there a way that the potential that I've inhabited that was good or meaningful and maybe the... the new roles that I've stepped into, the new possibilities as ways for me to be, that way to move, like the way to dance like that, the feeling of that energy, the way I held myself maybe in relationship to a friend, something that was good, something that wasn't to be aware of. Is there a way that that can be integrated into the life moving back into society? And we can talk about that I'm also interested to talk at the level of cultural integration. What does it mean for esoteric as such, and the essence of what is worthwhile here to be well integrated into society? And is there an essence of what is worthwhile here that has to be protected? We can ask these questions of many places. Burning Man, you might hear conversations about that many kinds of festivals, really anything of worth, right? If something's of worth, we can extract from it, right? And sometimes that extraction, if we can commodify it, that's actually necessary from the perspective of those who are wanting to achieve a certain capacity to make the world in the image of their own creation so as to extract further... (laughs) as a result of that ordering structure that allows people to be there together and do what? Like we eat food and we have chats and we dance. Like we're pretty simple creatures in some sense and then another sense like deeply complex, right? I don't, I'm so it's a paradox. But the point is, we kind of come here and there's elements of reconnection and reacquaintance. And I suppose it's worthwhile to presence that as well. And maybe here I feel like I've said enough to share a little bit about the openness that I'm inviting and maybe in terms of what it is to be, if you would like to join and and have a conversation, all you have to do is come as you are. That's it. And in fact, that's probably not it because you can also come as who you could be and we're always in that dynamic there's no pressure and we'll find out what emerges so is there anything else else i should say about that well one of the things i like to invite in other contexts online contexts in person contexts is that silence, as far as there is silence here, and there's never really silence in some important sense. So we can say slowness, or we can say waiting, is for here and with me more than welcome, is more than welcome. It might strain attention a little bit, but it might also mean that there's more that's possible to come through. There's time for that which is and say a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more delicate to express, to congeal and come forth. And so for those who are here and are sharing their attention, then we might have some pauses. And I invite you to consider the beauty of that silence. So... With that said, is there anyone who would like to come down here and join me for a conversation? Whether to ask a question, I will ask questions of you as well, if you're open to that. And we can take it from them. Beautiful. Thank you, brother. What I'll do is turn on this microphone for you. There you are, my friend. Thank you. Check, check, one, two. Beautiful. Wonderful. Beautiful. Hello. Lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you too. My name's Tim. Uh, I'm Fyodor. Uh, My name is Fyodor Krasny.
1: The last part isn't my name, as as we've discussed.
0: (laughs) Yeah, beautiful. That's a funny thing, hey. Is there anything you'd like to share about the choosing of your name? Uh,
1: Yeah. um, This is something that I felt like sharing here. Um, This is going to be rather dark, but I think it's important at a festival which is always in celebration of light, and I think we don't have enough of these meaningful conversations. That's why I came down here uh, to openly discuss uh, something. Uh, My background is Russian, and as quite hopefully a few of you know, my country is currently doing some really terrible stuff. Um, my family is partially in Russia. I just got in touch with my sister over there again, and she has no idea what's happening. All they know is that everything's collapsing. For the first, well, it's just a bit of a, a bit of perspective on somebody who was a loyalist to Putin. Um, I wouldn't say right-wing loyalist, but... Uh, propaganda does its ways. I moved to Australia when I was 12, but my God, I can tell you something. How old are you now? Uh, I'm 33. I've spent most of my time here. But the marks that growing up there, that leave you, alter your perception, like a, a cult almost. Most people here wouldn't hopefully know what that's like that's why it's often so hard to relate, to understand how somebody could support atrocity. And uh, through this festival, you know, I've been just, it's been eating at me. I, I know that it's so hard to talk to anyone about this in um, a peaceful, beautiful place to bring this, but I just felt it was important that we understand the first week of the invasion, I was in support. People would say, why? I'm like, Well, he's our leader. He knows, he knows better. He just does. I'm still a Russian citizen, mind you. I'm Russian and Australian. There was no question in my mind. We were talk- he was saying about choice and things. There's an inherent feeling that... That hive mind, almost like hive mind, thing that's in built into you, that is what has to happen. Your, your high command says so, it is what has to happen. You feel the pool you mentioned. And against evidence, even with atrocities, even with everything else, you still, I still feel, a connection that, surely, the captain is right. We have followed the captain. The captain's right. He has led the country through. And without a tool for self-analysis, like meditation, say, with silencing your voice, with silencing yourself, or distancing yourself away from all of everything uh, that uh, the screens, the constant pummeling of the news, propaganda, counter-propaganda. Uh, can we really stop? and actually question it. Somebody took my phone at this festival, uh, and that was my last connection to knowing the news in Ukraine. And I suddenly realized how much of a hold news had on me, how much my phone, how much the grasp of technology, how much it actually controls you. Uh, You don't realize it, put your phone away properly, lose it you'll suddenly feel it. You might think, well, we don't have propaganda here. I know propaganda here, I'm aware of this. Put that thing away and really find out what the cult of each country, what the bigger government, what everything else feels like. And I've tried to reconcile myself with the fact that, yeah, Jesus fucking Christ, those are atrocities. We can no longer do that. That's fucked up. The leader is not my identity. And by gods, you identify yourself with anything. You say you're you're a festival goer. You're this. You're that. Uh, you are in chains. You are solidly in chains. Take heed to really look back on that. On anything that you identify with. Uh, it's a fucking difficult
0: thing, man. That is. Anyway, that my story. Whoa. Beautifully expressed. Thank you. Thank you. So, if you'd like to stay a moment, um, you're welcome to. I'd like to take some time to process this slowly. So I'm probably going to be speaking slowly and taking pauses. And I sense that there is a little bit more of the story to come. So, one of these words which was piercing through there was this word chains. There's a song I wish I could remember the band the lyrics go we are the jail we are the key. I think if we just hold it into the air like that, then maybe it'll, hopefully it will be okay. We are the jail. We are the key. So we're in this relationship where we can be liberators and we can be an influence in the world that in some sense is for liberation. And yet, pure liberation is utter, it's either utter undifferentiation or complete differentiation. And in both of those cases, there is no relationship of coherence at all. And so that seems to me, it seems to me that we must recognize that we are always involved in choosing this or that. Those choices are involved, and here there's a philosopher named Forrest Landry who also speaks beautifully about the nature of choice. He speaks about a triple of choice, change and causation. And I won't go too much into it technically, but we can think about the choices we make as interacting in a world, a living and dying world, which beget change. Change is only real in some sense if there's something which happens, which means it's this way and not that way. And now the new context for our choices is in response to those changed conditions. So the question becomes one of, again, influence. There's a sense in which here, and we can make this very present, so I'm in this context where, um, I suppose I, I, I made an application to speak here, and there's a stage here, and I'm involved in enabling this, and most of you are oriented towards me in this case, and Fyodor's come and join me, and we're having a conversation and in a few minutes' time, whenever that is, I'll politely ask Fyodor to return and in some sense, I've influenced a situation <laughs> which is orienting... Please stay with me, please stay with me, if you, if you would. Um, I've oriented a situation. That's now something for Fyodor to respond to in a dialogic process, where we treat each other with respect, where we recognize the dignity in each other, and are attendant to the integrity, something like the quality of the channel of communication that exists between us as best we can, it's so difficult. Well, that's something then that we're involved in, but it's also more than just us, it's relational that we can look to, that we can feel into for some sense of guidance. There's a kind of, a little bit of feedback there, maybe we can use that word, that helps us calibrate this relationship between our, let's say, um, controlling or opening nature in relationship to others. So, anyway, that's just a moment's expression on that. You know, Fyodor, you've mentioned the profound real, the profound real of what is occurring on the other side of the world, which has absolute bearing on the conditions which may influence the possibility for our choice very, very soon. We live in a time, of course, where power has increased. It's exponentialized. We're so over-leveraged in power Without the wisdom to go along with it, as many speak to, one of those thinkers, Daniel Schmachtenberger, someone who, if you're uh, getting a smile there, have you heard of? You heard of Daniel? No, you haven't. Interesting. You've not yet made it to the world of esoteric. Daniel Schmachtenberger. He's a brilliant speaker, and uh, he's not the first to speak about this relationship between power and wisdom. There's many who have, and many who do. Uh, But it's a very profound little lens here. There's an awful lot of power we have as human beings. We've leveraged this capacity for technology to create absolute catastrophe, to destroy ourselves and the world, violating the possibility for the becoming of others, for their appreciation of life, of what is, and all of that. And so how do we orient that capacity? How can we possibly actually be involved with it? That's what we have to reckon with, right? In order to be fundamentally, I want to say something like, protective and um, nurturing, to hold in reverence and dedication the essence of what we are as being involved, as being creativity as such, we have to reckon with that. And in a sense, this entire conversation and the ecology it's embedded in including all of us and our relationships is involved in that process and we can talk about it at many different structural levels and I I suppose I will say because I'm meeting you here for the first time that these are questions that many people are responding to and if you google me then you can follow some breadcrumbs to some people speaking about this and contexts of responding, I'm not going to say to this as though it's just something that's in my power to respond to just mine, but earnestly bringing forth the reality of this and inviting us together to enable the creation and to create together the context of integrity in which we can begin to have a conversation about it. And there's a lot that goes into it. So it's it's a beautiful thing you've presented this. And um, it sounds to me like you yourself have been on a journey of metabolizing it and integrating your relationship to it. And to me, it sounds very healthy. And I think it's I think it's profoundly brave to step forward and express as you have. And um, as far as I'm concerned, you've graced this conversation and the broader context of those listening to this with a perspective that must be seen and felt and appreciated for what it is. Because one of those things you mentioned was that, well, there is this innate sense that we enculturate in ourselves from a young age to follow the leader. In some sense, I'm involved in leading this, and unless you were... unless we were in a kind of right relationship of following and leading, then we wouldn't be having a conversation, right? When Fyodor speaks, he will be leading the explicit expression of voice, and I will be following the thread of what is brought forth. And so again, it's not to, um, we, we cannot just deny, obviously, this within ourselves, and that's no profound point to make. And so, we can look at that very pattern, that very dynamic, of our following, of what we submit to, of what we sometimes are unquestioning about, and at once meet that, and we must meet that with tremendous compassion, and at the same time, strive to consciousness about that. You might have heard the word individuation mentioned earlier on in sessions, and people mention that kind of thing. And we're not talking about that precisely today. I think we're actually talking about something that is only possible in a context of many people individuating, which is dialogic process, which is relating together. But that part of that process involves bringing to consciousness of that we were previously unconscious. And so that's a profound dynamic to presence. And it sounds to me as though this dynamic itself we could look all around here especially when dusk hits and the sun is just a, uh, the sun's gone down and the night's coming in and then when the night comes we can look around and recognize all sorts of things we can recognize dancing together leading and following in some harmony we can sometimes reckon we can sometimes recognize a bit of confusion, who's leading what, where are we going? And we can sometimes recognize the word betrayal comes to mind. But let's go with something like a disconnection of a right relationship between this call and response, leading and following, dancing. And so it's a profound thing to presence. And so There was a question, Fiodor, I I asked you when you sat down and I I asked you about the... If you could share anything about um, how it was you came to choose your name and I'm wondering if that's at all related to the perspectives you'd shared and if you'd like to take that expression on.
1: Yeah, so... My... um my father, during the, I grew up during the collapse. Uh, my father took pretty much everything away from my family. He joined the mafia, threatened the family, all the rest of it, long story short. I technically meant to have his name. But when I moved here, Krasny um, means red. Uh, it was the last part of my identity as a kid that came forth. Because of the red on our flag, because of the red of the communist flags we were constantly surrounded by, imagine that, that that just came through one night in a, one would call a separation of identity, when you abandon something old and you think you're creating something new without looking back and it's not new, it was something before even your father, it was a pre ingrained so, technically, I don't even know if I have a second name anymore. I, don't, I reject this one as well. So,
0: bit of a thing. Well, naming's a funny business. Naming's a funny business. The last um, session I ran, which actually has been released as a podcast, it's titled Naming the Nameless. That was the last session, the last podcast that was released. Naming the Nameless. Because we're in this relationship with needing, in some sense, to name things. If I want to coordinate with Tazo, my partner, with Cam, who's camping near us, where to go for dinner, need to sort of name something. Hey, let's go meet over there. What place? Well, it had this and that, and there it is, and now we can coordinate. Without that, it's pretty chaotic, really. Incredible technology, the capacity to name this technology of language. And yet things can happen with it. So there's, a famous, there's a famous way of talking about this. It's this uh, phenomenon of mistaking the moon for the finger. The finger for the moon. And when we point at it, look up there. There's the sun. In what way can I encapsulate what that is? In what way can I really fix in meaning what that means? It means so much. It means so much. Yet yeah, we can refer to it and we can make a lot of sense of it, right? But in some sense, the, the nature of sacredness, as it seems to me, and I'm not going to name what sacredness is. I'm just going to say that it seems to flow, seems to move, seems to need to move. And movement here, I mean movement in this sense of, it's funny because it's this relationship between movement and a kind of absolute presence, that's always totally with the movement, and in that sense, is unmoving. (laughs) So, even the very, (laughs) I say movement, and we've missed it a little bit, right? Because, (laughs) what is movement? So there's... There's something beautiful about the very process of reflecting on and being with sacredness, of what is sacred, as a process that is beyond me and yet which I participate in and is always there to find again, is always there to reacquaint with, in some sense that's the essence of esoteric as far as I can understand it. Because if esoteric means something like that which only a few people can understand and if I find out what I really think and what I can really express on the very tip of my tongue or creative expression that's always that little bit beyond me then in that moment of apprehension, in that moment of manifestation, it's on, in one sense, utterly esoteric. And it becomes esoteric even to myself, the myself that I meet a few moments later, reflecting on that very thing. And for any of you who like to engage with a bit of nitrous oxide, It's possible to read what I've said there in relation to that experience, right? If only there was another one I could do, I'd really crack it. If only. And yet we return to coherence, falling away from it. So then what becomes this right relationship between the esoteric and the exoteric, which is that which can be understood in some sense by most people, about that, I don't know. It seems like an ongoing relational navigation where we are called forth to discern how to be. And we're always in this process of being beyond our name, being of that which is beyond naming, kind of like ownership. I, I wanted to say as I began this, and so I, I think I will say it now, given here we're in a context, and you know, I have Fyodor to thank for this, of presencing some profound material, which, which enables here a context for expression that might otherwise not be possible. And here I want to, well, I, I, hope, I, hope, I hope we can stay together in this. It, it seems to be custom at many sessions in Australia for beautiful reasons to undergo an acknowledgement of country and to thank the elders past, present, future, and to call the names of those who have lived in this land and to honor them and there's something profoundly beautiful about that there's something that 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 lights my soul there's something so important about that and i want i desire desperately to honor the ancestors past present and future and i mean that in the broadest sense in the broadest sense of indigenous human beings to earth as such, in cosmos as such. And so it doesn't feel appropriate for me to name particular groups who have been on this land. I have not been initiated into those who have lived here. I'd like to also thank those who have enabled this meeting at all. And so I've always found it very difficult to relate to this whole phenomenon because I have no desire to prove anything to anyone about my relationship to honouring that which is before and beyond me. And yet, at the same time, I feel called to express this because unless, this is fu- unless that is fundamental to our gathering here, then we are without the integrity to actually presence all that I feel over time and, and throughout the course of our lives and beyond. We need to if we desire to fulfill the promise of living with wisdom given the immense power we have and the immense influence we have in this ecology. And so I think that's that it feels a tiny bit indulgent but I I really am very grateful to be able to express this. And so I'll just say, Fyodor, if you have any parting remarks, anything you'd like to say at all. And then um, perhaps we'll welcome someone else to join us.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess thanks for Thanks for hearing this out. Uh, my last thing to say is just be mindful of what you identify with. Truly, you don't know until you really step back and look at it. You might think you are free from anything because you're here. You might think you're free because your mind is open. Uh, as my Favorite teacher says, Mr. Sam Harris, that too may be just an overlay. Step back a little further. Just step back a little further. Uh, Those will be my closing remarks. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Fyodor. Thank you so much, brother. Yeah, give it up, give it up. So, okay. Sam Harris, if you're watching this, I would love to talk to you. We have a lot to talk about. So, that was awesome. Let me just check what time it is. I need to be mindful of that. Okay, it's 5.26. We can go a bit longer. I think, we can, I think I've got this for another hour and a half, but I think probably about, it's 5.26... 6 p.m. we probably maybe 45 minutes and then we might need to get going and take care of ourselves with what's to come. So I'd like to invite anyone else to, to join me and I'd like to speak to at least one more person after that as well so um, I'll keep my responses shorter for this next one and so we can have at least two more people join. So anyone who is open please raise your hand. Thank you brother. Evan, Evan is joining us. Evan, thank you for joining. I'm going to invite you to feel in to this moment with us all gathered here and to speak forth what draws you to step forward and voice and listen and dialogue in this context. Um, Yeah,
2: I'm not... I've come from a place where my my conversation skills um, are lacking. And to find real connection with people, I found that, you know, you need to have deep conversations. So that drew me to step up and get out of my comfort zone so I can try and integrate that more in, in part of who I am, trying to have conversations with people. And I don't necessarily have anything really profound like or as a perspective that was really a really good perspective change from what we're used to experiencing. Um, but that's what drew me to beautiful step man. forth.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. So it does seem to be the case that we meet each other profoundly in conversation and many other modes too, of course, not all verbal. And there's something about the um, attention we can pay and the cultivation of character and the cultivation of self and capacity to be with other and appreciate the world that runs through so many different creative endeavors, right? It's part of what enables uh, quality dance, quite part of what enables um, good love, you know? And yeah, there is a mode of interac- interaction with language, which draws on a whole bunch of other cues, and this is a mad context to come and, <laughs> to come and, like, practice it. I mean, it's crazy. And so you're very brave for doing that. And, uh, of course, it's atypical. And, yeah, we can meet each other in it, you and I, because truly here, mate, I don't know what's going to happen. And um, this matters to me, and here we are together doing it. So maybe I can ask Is there a particular moment or story or reflection you could share about what helped bring forth that recognition that you were called to speak and interact with, let's say, more artfulness or more capacity so as to enable more meaning? What was it in you that recognized that's something I need to to do? Was there something that happened? Was it a growing understanding?
2: Yeah, one of the moments was when I was younger, I was very in, like, inside myself. I don't know how to explain that, but I wouldn't really try to reach out and interact. I would just be within myself um, to do with the insecurities or you know whatever that I'm trying to figure out and learn about constantly. Um, but in one particular example, I was asked to just get up and dance and be free. Um, and I had a lot of hesitation, um, in that moment cause I'd never like, I'm always like, I would usually say, Oh yeah, nah, I'm good. I'll just stay in the corner. And the fact that this group of people I knew I wasn't going to be a good dancer, but the fact that they accepted and embraced what I was doing, even though it was, it was, not necessarily good but it was part of being in the moment um, and I feel like conversation is a similar branch of that of when you can really connect and be accepted in that sort of way um, it means a lot and that's, yeah, f- that's yeah. when um, I really changed my life there and I was like you know I gotta f- take this further.
0: Beautiful. I mean, it's a profound link, conversation and dancing, eh? You know, you could be forgiven for thinking that those things are totally different, right? is a moving my body to music. I mean, I can't talk to that thing. What are you trying to talk to me for on the dance floor? And yet, there's such a profound link there. Like, it's, I mentioned at the beginning, and, and here this is just my attempt to language this. There's many other ways to language it so we can be loose about that but we see, we, it seems like we're conduits, right? As involvement, as creativity, right? That expression, that, that conduiting in. So Forrest, Forrest Landry, again, he has a nice um, expression in relationship to um, defining spirituality. He uses words very precisely, and I'm not going to be that precise, but spirituality as the, I like thinking about it as the breathing in of world into self. It's about integrating the world into self. And he speaks about that in, in, in relationship to religion, where religion could be understood as the integration of self into world with others. So religion as a kind of relegare kind of, it's, it means like a binding, like a rebinding, could almost be like a, a reconnecting, but coming into formation is kind of how I think about it. So the movement to come into formation, and then there's also a being in relationship to that which is already interacting kind of on us in some sense. And we have to encounter that as participants in the whole, as the whole in some sense. It's breathing it through. So in both cases, dancing, speaking, we're involved in this process of responding to the world about us, right? And at the same time, being involved in it and offering something back, you know? And um, and there's ways to afford this to happen that can lead to um, health and growth, right? And worthwhile experiences and connection. And there's also ways to be in relationship to that process that can... Um, perpetuate disconnection and sometimes disconnection is appropriate by the way it's not all about hey let's just all connect forever again that, that ultimately winds up in something that in some sense is fundamentally incoherent from a perspective of maps models ways to reference that coherence we can maybe return to that at another time but the point is we find ourselves deeply a part of it right and if we're accepted in that then we have such an incredible possibility to find ourselves there and craft what we could be, right? We integrate on so many different levels the energy in us and all of that, and it's a beautiful thing. And so that's something profound to reflect on. Maybe a bit of juice here might might be for me to ask something like, like, how do you understand the process of discernment and I can put that another way, I can probably say something like this is a bit this is maybe not as as elegant a thing to say, but when when do you feel like I'm not conversing well or dancing well or maybe that dancing right here in that way with that person right un, unnavigated with without some sort of consent like literally dancing into that process maybe not not quite so appropriate, right? And then the same way in conversation, I could not only, it's, sometimes it's good to cut, to cut over people. I could, all of these things, there's a, there's, a, there's a time and a place, I think. But how would you articulate how you understand the process of interacting well and not? Is there something you've learned about that? Is there something y- that you find challenging?
2: Well, I think you mentioned it. Earlier, it's about the list, it's a lot about listening as well. Um, and you don't necessarily have to accept everything that you've been hearing, but at least you know, let it flow through you. And you know, you're thinking about it, doesn't mean you accept it, but um, it every conversation that you have can change you if you let it. And when people aren't letting it flow through them, and change them just a little bit. Um, It feels like it's not a real conversation to me.
0: Beautifully said, beautifully said. All I can do in response to that is use too many words to basically say that exact same thing. So, (sighs) it's profound though, right? Because sometimes the energy to react maybe, rather than respond. We just react now. I have to speak now. I can't hear any more of that. I need to speak now, now. And like that, right? Something, something breaks. Something Something. we meet in some sense a, a discontinuity of flow. And part of what will be experienced um, on behalf of the person who's doing the speaking is now they haven't been totally heard. Maybe there's an, something of the essence of what they care about that they value and that's ultimately nested in their very sense of what is valuable in me and ultimately connected to something to, to the nature of value as such which is beyond us, sacred in some fundamental sense it's like, no wonder we can get triggered. And we can talk about that in the sense of trauma in various ways at different levels of the psyche, different aspects of our being, our personality, that can be caught up in a kind of uh, what, traumatic relationship with events and experiences and ways of relating to ourselves where we reliably loop into a certain pattern of perpetuating some reatic, reactive reaction. And we lose that capacity for engaging in a kind of flowing responsiveness that allows us not only to get to know each other more, but also integrate with patterns of reality beyond just kind of our own life experiences, but we can also look at the world. I mean, even our own life experiences, they relate to everyone else, right? Where do I end and you begin? These are interesting questions. And so, I mean, profound to to notice this. And it seems to me like practice of this art is fundamental for us all if we wish to engage wisely with each other and the world. It doesn't seem like a profound point to make, really. It seems sort of like smack bang staring us in the face. And I don't mean to preach it. I just mean to say it's right fucking there. And I recognize in myself when I struggle with this all the time, and there's a never-ending opportunity to reacquaint myself with what in my own conditioning and nature and energetic capacity, whether I've eaten for instance, whether I've got enough sleep, there's so many things that can influence reactivity which might, let's say, disenable a more flowing responsiveness, and here we're just playing with language really, to a situation. Okay, so how about this then? Now I'm going to ask you something in uh, a different way. I'm going to ask, and it's a beautiful thing to do this. This is something I've learned about, and I continue to learn about the, the process of having meaningful conversations with people. Is I really care about slowing down and feeling in to a question to ask someone and so i'd like to invite you to ask a question and i suppose in the constraints we have with the microphones here i'll invite you to ask a question to me and we can share in that question together and maybe whoever joins next we can be responsive together to the question that Evan is about to ask?
2: Um, It's just something that I'm trying to work on. Um, It's to... I said how it's hard to have a conversation when someone's not letting it flow through them. That's how I explained it. And what I've been trying to practice is trying to open that up. Um, And ways, my question sort of is, ways to do that, like to help enable that. Maybe you can't, open up everyone's mind people have to be ready to have a conversation most of the time but I feel like there's lubricant so the strategies, my question is what strategies um, can you use to ease into that
0: we're going to be talking about um, lubricating each other up for meaningful conversations strategies for that Alright brother. Thank you, Evan. Really, mate. Thank you. Yeah, give it up. Alright then. Well here we go. So now I have you know several friends here at the festival. Two are sitting in the front row at the moment. Tara, my partner, is helping out with the cameras. I have um spoken to my friend Cam on many occasions over the last three years, particularly through COVID, um, was just a wonderful friend to me, processing all that has been, go for runs together and have conversations. Cam held a session on integration, integrating Psychedelic experiences we could look at it like that or transpersonal experiences or challenging experiences in general He titled it cosmic art integration. It was on the first day. It was on Friday before a lot of people got him and um, the Integrity and the gift that is cams Vision and commitment to showing up and being in that mode um, I happen to know it to be profound and and It makes sense to me to have a conversation about integration towards the end of a festival rather than at the beginning. Not everything works out in ways that make total sense. And so um, I am going to invite Cam to join for five, ten minutes. We'll see how we do time-wise and then maybe we can hear from one more person. I hope you don't mind uh, if you did want to speak. Of course, we can chat afterwards. Uh, In fact, maybe we'll do a quick Q&A if we have time. Maybe that's a way for people to, to share voice. So I, I will just invite Cam to come join me. There you go, mate. So um, as far as the mic goes, because it will help me out with the editing a bit later, put it close to your mouth, but don't have it touch your beard. Otherwise, it's gonna crackle, and then uh, uh, and then just to hold it kind of like that. Otherwise, we seem to be getting some feedback. So thanks for joining, Cam. Um, So Evan left us with a question and I'm going to um, reformulate it a little bit. I hope you don't mind, Evan. I want to carry forward the integrity of this question totally. What I'm hearing mostly is a desire to understand how to not only enter into, but to enable the possibility for meaningful conversations with people, right? And you mentioned the word strategy and lubrication. Lubrication speaks to a sense of, uh, okay, there's rigidity. It doesn't seem like there's space for anything to quite fit. We can't quite fit together in this way in this time to have a bit of a chat. And um, that brings to mind, well, it's a number of things. Uncertainty about the context for the interaction. The magic of enabling meaningful conversation begins before the conversation, right? It's the most basic thing in the world. If we're in a group of people, are we in a circle? These things help. Yeah, if, if, that, if there's a circle and there's someone who's kind of like not totally in the circle, that's gonna have an effect. It's just a structural one, right? So there's a sense in which having, having intention towards the ceremony or the event of interaction, if we want it to be really meaningful, begins before the thing, the same way as a psychedelic trip, for example. So you have intention, and then the event, and then maybe there's integration, or in conversation, maybe that can occur during. So the first thing I'd say is to consider the context fundamentally, and in a situation like this, my advice would be follow your heart, and for the most part, walk gently, because there's a lot going on. Sometimes we need to be pretty direct and straight as well. Um, My experience in general is uh, slowing down and moving with curiosity and learning what it is to trust that immediate sense of openness and resonance toward interaction and fundamentally to be okay with that interaction not taking place. Um, there's a sense in which I'm, I don't need to speak to anyone here. I really want to though, I do desire to, but um, it's okay, you know, if we don't speak to each other, <laughs> obviously, in some sense. Because we, we, we do have our limitations, so anyway, How would you in general respond to this now broad context of not only the question, but I've opened up if there's any, if there's any, I suppose, gift or insight you could share with us about opening into or enabling as a lovely term in cognitive science, like enabling constraints, Dave Snowden talks about this, sometimes we can place obstacles in an environment or set stuff up that conditions possibility but also enables types of creativity that otherwise couldn't be there but yeah that's, I was asking a question so <laughs> how do you think about this or is there anything you'd like to share about it well it's
3: interesting because
0: while you're talking I'm kind of coming
3: into that situation right because I'm about to you know talk yeah make sure
0: you talk right into the mic.
3: It's apparent to me just the way in which we hold on to fears and so many of these can be so unconscious to us because we're so used to doing them and that's the part of us, the wisdom of the body to survive, right? It's got this double-sided coin thing where on the other hand it can actually stop us doing things because it goes a little bit too far sometimes and becoming consciously aware of that is uh, really significant for each of us. One of the ways is connecting with our breath. I'm not sure if you've looked at... um, that idea of just, when, after, when you do find yourself in a situation, how does your heart respond? How does your, your breathing respond to that? Because those are signifiers of what state of mind you might be in. And the state of mind you might be in might actually impact your ability to do th- the thing that you desire to do, right? You might trip yourself up before you've even begun on your journey, and, or just you know, fusing in with whatever it might be, which, if you were to sort of um, trust yourself, Uh, Understand a bit of the context and not put any pressure on yourself. You might just kind of flow into it, right? And I think what Tim said, not kind of giving it these expectations, because when you do that, you're giving yourself expectations as you kind of see yourself into it, right? It's like it's got to be this, then I've got to be that, you know. Then it's got to come together and it's got to, you know, perfectly fit like in pieces in a puzzle. Whereas, you know, through self-awareness, we can look at, okay, what is the part of ourselves that uh, really desires something in this situation, right? And if there's meaning in coming into a situation, whether it's a a conversation or whatever it might be, and you decide there's an opportunity to speak, I guess, first of all, it's just about being aware of, again, that desire, what you want to get out of it. And sometimes actually just communicating to someone, look, we're in this situation. This is what's going on for me. Um, This is what I'm interested in. You know, what are your thoughts about that?
0: You know, so. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. So one of the things I'm hearing there to draw that out is coming from a place that's connected to what we find interesting, right? So, so in a sense, part of what it is to have a meaningful conversation is to, it's almost like to dignify oneself, to take oneself seriously enough, but also, but we could also look at it more innocently and to say, to, to feel and to, to trust and, in, in a sense we don't have to think about it linguistically we can we can just um we we just we just be with the curiosity we go with the curiosity that comes from within comes from a place of being connected to what we value and that opens up a whole world of coming to understand what it is we value and who we are in relation and that's clearly an important conversation and often one of the things that makes conversation difficult is the coming to presence of values that seem to be a little bit different that don't necessarily totally immediately seem to cohere and then it seems like well I've got values over here and I just don't see how they fit in the same picture as you like are we denying like you're affirming it I'm denying it that's like but that's like the main issue right how can I And there's, that's profound. Now, my general sense of approaching the profundity of a moment like that and a recognition like that in a context like this is to draw it out in dialogic process over a long period of time. And I'm conscious of how long we have left. There was something I wanted to say, which we'll see if it connects back, which was, we can come from, a place of our own sense of value, and what we're curious um, of, come from our own curiosity, uh, sincerity, sense of meaning, all of that, the cool him, hey? But we can also invite interaction in a mode that dignifies the value of the other. So if we can go a bit meta on this, And this wasn't for me coming from a place of performativity. The reality is I genuinely, to the degree that I know Cam, I know him to be a beautiful human being, who I think um, anyone here would be privileged to get to know. And uh, I've communicated that. And um, that opens a space of possibility that is grounded in a sense of feeling known and valued. There's a psychologist named Greg Henriquez who who coins that very nicely, being known and valued, that these are fundamental to us. Now, um, we don't need anyone who's a professor of this or that to name such things as value and knowing, but nevertheless, um, Greg's a friend, and there you go. So, it seems like, well, maybe that's enough to say on that, And maybe Cam, we can just take a moment to slow down and reflect on this moment of being in relation to fundamental conflict in values. And I'll just preface this with one more thing and then we'll dialogue on this and then we'll bring this to a close. Because for me, a meaningful conversation in the sense that I'm looking to invite and I'm I'm committed and dedicated to collaborating with people and wrestling with people to realize is a context of sufficient integrity to enable the presencing of critical energy that might feel itself to be in conflict to presence for well, or one way, one way we could say it is a generative, some generative onwards movement. In, in some language I occasionally use the words loving transformation seem deeply appropriate. To be in the mode of that, of loving transformation. But the key thing is that I want us to just keep in mind is this generative element. There's a sense in which a conversation, for it to be meaningful and engaging, it has to be... Say, going somewhere, that it's not just all pure mimicry, right? This wouldn't be that interesting if I was only saying things that had been heard before in a way that had been felt before <laughs> again and again. In some sense, everything that has been said or that could be said has been, let's say, maybe even gestured at in some form. I think technology does involve genuine emergence into our world, and our life worlds do evolve in that regard. So I do think new things can be said, and maybe this is a bit of a digression. But the point is, are we going somewhere, right? This maybe wouldn't be very real if this was just all of a sudden kind of trailed off like it will in some moment, because it's not going to reach a climax that's the absolute peak for everyone, (laughs) because... This is esoteric, and this is our lives, and there's a lot going on here, and we're all on our own journeys in this regard. But nevertheless, can we together really bring to presence that which might be maximally worthwhile to do so? And this question for me of how to articulate this dynamic of being in relationship with Values that are seemingly in conflict seems like a profound one to seek to understand more. And so I'll ask that question to you, Cam. How might we relate to that situation where, in conversation with someone, in interaction, intimate interaction, to the depth of intimacy, but also in the sense of, I don't know you very much, but this is actually really important, and hang on, is this maybe going to turn violent? And I'm, you know what I mean? All of a sudden, the things we value most might be in a kind of conflictual dynamic on the one hand it feels like it could all go zero sum me or you and that's it or is there a way for us to navigate this situation where it's possible for us to reacquaint together with a with a with a more holistic sense of of values, in formation, in flow, in relation. And here I'll stop and ask you for your reflections on this dynamic. My
3: first thoughts about that are just how we might make assumptions about these things and just how we also feel ourselves into these situations. Sometimes something doesn't feel right or it doesn't kind of fit the pattern that our brain is sort of going for and so we kind of navigate, especially complex environments like. The one around us in this forest, you know, we're we going. We, we, we sort of, um, we might have a sort of train of thought. We might have a sense of feeling. I like these vibes. I like this music. I like these colors. There's so much going on, really. But it, you know, we, we're looking for that which is most resonant, perhaps. And not everything is. Uh, you know, I was over there before, and two people got pretty primal and started confronting each other. And um, that's very unexpected in a very loving environment where people are kind of opening up and we're looking at healing, transformative, conscious experiences. But we're all still human. We've still got this primary architecture that we've kind of evolved up from, right? And that can be triggered. And people get fatigued. You know, we all feel a certain way, especially on day three of a place like this. We've been surviving. We've been taking care of each other. In this particular situation, there was a primal activation going on and two people were no longer their whole selves. You know, they weren't uh, Mike, who, you know, his friends were such and such, and um, is great at this, and, you know, is is really reliable when it comes to that. All of a sudden, they were in opposition in their dynamic, Uh, this and this other person. And there's a certain language to that. And we all understand that language because our bodies unconsciously Uh, always responding to that. And that's how we kind of find ourselves into different places, different avenues, different energies that really uh, we want to feel ourselves into because it feels safe and it feels like home or it feels like the signaling is kind of where we're at and we appreciate each other, right? And so this is a situation I was in today that was just kind of um, happening around everyone else, kind of relaxed, that kind of a thing. And these people like that. And for me, I know that these people aren't just the people that are just about to bang heads against each other. That's not who they are. I know there's been a kind of activation of this sort of aspect of them. Uh, So my own involvement was to actually put a switch, flick a switch in front of them, which is, I guess, my form moving between them. And people in this primal state, you know, where there's a sense of me and you, and I'm I'm somehow on the, the right side and you're somehow on the wrong side, you know, that's a very, strange duality we can get locked into and thanks very much for really highlighting the how that can feel personally and on a very global level with you know politicians and you know uh, how information is broadcast and how we interject that into our minds and that can formulate values and is that our values you know is that hijacking our primal architecture towards someone else's power game and so I I guess the moment that um I hopped into this situation, again, just like what I mentioned earlier with the breathing and the heart rate. I'm aware that these people's breathing and heart rate is very different, you know, when they're not the whole integrated psyches, right? And so breaking them up, it's like, hey, we can come back to your breathing, come back to breathing, come back to breathing, you know? As long as we can feel our way back into our breathing, we've got a sense of, oh, coming online, my mind's coming online. Uh, This person isn't just the opposition person anymore. This person is someone who has needs, right? And so we all have different traits, right? Developed genetically and through our conditioning and it kind of formulates a sense of what we value and we form our relationships with all the people we love and care about and people not so much sometimes throughout our lives based on these dynamics within ourselves, these things that do form values and people are all on their different trajectories and yet they come together together you know, we come together in this very unique space because something is happening. And I don't think all of us can fully comprehend what that is. And maybe we're not supposed to, because maybe that's just about the, the magic of becoming, you know, the, the thing that is within all of us, right? The thing that transcends whatever, that transcends whatever thoughts we might have, whatever talents each person might have, whatever doubts people might have, you know, whatever anxiety we might have about talking to each other, of course... Again, this is a complex situation, and we do come across situations where people are not quite feeling uh, ready to engage in us. And so I think, again, just going back to this example with these two people that are about to bang heads, coming back to their breath, fully integrating their psyches and realize this isn't just about me and you and interaction and competition You know, for all of existence, which is what our primal systems think at the time because we can't really think. We're just in automatic robotic mode, right? That's that's how evolutionary works. Uh, Unfortunately, unfor- that's how we got here. That's how we're all here, because we do have this very reliable survival architecture that uh, brilliant personalities are resting upon. And that is where, once the breathing returns, we come back to the sense of, hey, this person is actually has needs. You know, maybe they're dehydrated. You know, maybe they're doing their best. Maybe who knows what happened in their life. Maybe. Maybe they just heard something tragic, you know? Maybe I'm just caught up in the mess and maybe I'm reacting in a way because I think that they're caught up in my mess. And notice how these things escalate. Notice how kind of something comes from the shadows of our psyches and manifests itself through our behavior. And yet, all it takes is a moment to readdress our vision, come back into ourselves, integrate our breath, integrate the energetic systems of our psyches. And it's all of a sudden, it's like hey, you know, I don't have any issues with this person. You know, we're all just here. We're all trying to take care of each other. We're all trying to kind of liberate ourselves in some way. And, you know, we do come across these instances of, you know, it seems like there is a bit of value conflict sometimes, but I just wonder sometimes, is this simply the failure to realize that our fundamental needs are identical? That is the,
0: I guess, the one answer to that, perhaps. Well, thank you. Thank you. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. Now I'm conscious that it's probably time to bring this to a close and so I'll see if I can do my best to draw together some of these threads so we can leave with a sense of uh, completion, even if that completion isn't final or perfect. So let's see if we can do our best. It seems as though, perhaps unsurprisingly, our own cultivation of relationship with life process and death process, we can say cultivating our relationship with death, with finitude, with letting go, that this is fundamental, that this is important. It's very difficult. And I'm seeking to presence that without losing the profundity of the challenge that is the most profound sense of values in conflict. Because at the end of the day we do die and we can kill each other and things can all get a little bit out of control. And isolated, individually, what can I, what can you, what can even 30 of us do about that when there's so much leverage and so much exponentiation of power? Well, one of the things we can do is to breathe it in and out. Breathe it in and out. Not just to hold it in. I might make another comment about meaningful conversation in relation to this. There's a beautiful phrase, you'll hear it a lot, and I've used it myself. The phrase is something like holding space. It's really hard to hold the space, there was a lot of energy. And in many contexts, you know, there's a sense of holding which is really appropriate. But the thing is, is the world and others are beyond any one of us to hold. And so, in sincerity, it seems to me like the evolution of holding space is something that's a little bit more like sharing space. Which brings us right back in to really being in relationship to the tension and that would be my concern sometimes in contexts where holding space is emphasized to all else. Because if I'm just holding it, and if it can only be, if, if what is permitted is only what I'm permitting, then are we so sure that the two of us together, and maybe you who is held here, is really moving through this? I think that's a really profound question and it speaks to this relationship of this dynamic between completion and perfection, which don't seem to go together. And so there's a sense of a coming to acquaintance and acceptance with, we can say, death in this regard. We can also use the word lack if anyone would like to listen to reflections about lack, the philosophy of lack, then some philosophers, friends of mine, Cadell Last, Alex Ebert, OG Rose, we've had some dialogues on this. And I mention it because there really are people online and around the place who are in earnest, stepping forth and seeking to be responsive to conditions and dynamics of critical importance. And so i Make the invitation to, you know, find me online or come up and talk to me after this. Not only because it might be worthwhile uh, to connect with me, but because with a bit of time taken and through what I've been involved in helping to create, and there's many more people, some of whom I collaborate with directly and others in a sense of a shared essence of dedication then through some of these portals I'm a part of, this connection space I'm a part of, then there are breadcrumbs to follow to people who you might resonate with more. And um, it's in this regard that following those kinds of pathways and to, I suppose, trusting the integrity of the invitation that comes from a meaningful conversation together to follow along the thread of that and to show up and participate there to the degree that that's available maybe it has to be an individual practice but people are making an effort to enable contexts for the gathering of it with each other and i do believe this is what we have to do that i make the invitation in that sense too that um i've tried to create a context that is not complete yet in the sense of uh like i'm being really happy with say hey, pointing this direction and this direction but you know i'm trying so And, uh, well, it just does seem as though to the degree that it's appropriate to end anything, whether a mosquito or anything else, then we should at the very least, to the degree we want to move with integrity and with love and with dedication to creation as such. That we should feel through fully and think through fully, as hard as that is, without claiming to be able to do that totally myself. But I am here asserting that it seems to be really important that we acquaint ourselves with what it is to move into that kind of criticality, to know what's at stake, to know and deepen our sense of what we value So that at least we're treating the conditions we're a part of and reality as such with the dignity it deserves. So thank you. Thank you. Possibly as well to have a bit more fun than maybe that sounded like at the end, but I'll see you guys in a little bit for a dance at the Snake Pit, so here we are. Much love.